actually composed that fun fact just makes you feel good inside you know yeah <laughs> hello everyone and welcome to another episode of cleared for takeoff i'm your host gavin rice and i want to share what i've learned in aviation both on the job off the job and what i have encountered everywhere in between i've got a really fun episode for you today because i have another guest on the show my good friend and colleague brandon brandon whoop, whoop. thanks for coming on the show man Hey, it's a pleasure. Glad, uh, glad we made this work. Uh, Brandon is actually on a what is it? A thirty-ish hour overnight right now. Yeah. Uh, here in Providence, Rhode Island, and so that's where we are recording this episode. It's just shy of an hour drive from where I live, so I figured, hey, what the heck? I'll, I'll uh, come on down. Let's meet up, record an episode, and then uh, afterwards we'll hang out. So, Came for the fresh lobster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even if it's slightly off season, that's all right. Uh, Brandon and I have been conversing a lot recently, particularly because he is now on the talent acquisition team, which is very exciting. I mean, we've been conversing ever since we met anyway, uh, but particularly a lot lately. Uh, and, and that team, that, that acquisition team is, is where we will table events and give presentations to, to promote the company and, and find new talent uh, to bring on board to the company. And I, a couple episodes ago, I, had, I talked about my visit to my alma mater in a recent episode and uh, how amazing of an experience that was and, and how full circle it felt, too, because I remember being that student and looking up to those those people at those booths and being like, ah, I want to be like them someday. And then, boom, I was I was doing it. It was pretty awesome. Makes so, you feel good to give back to the same wonderful experiences that were given to you. Precisely. And so that's that's awesome to have you on board with that too. So I'm, I'm glad they finally brought you on. I, I was like, they, you know, to, to uh, the person in charge, like you need to get Brandon on board because he's a cool guy and he's going to be a, a valuable asset to the team. In quote, that was in the email. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> exactly. So a quick backstory. Uh, Brandon and I met in airline training. We, we had never met each other before. And that was, did, did you go to the CTP course? I sure did. Okay, so that's that's where we initially met, right? Yeah. But I felt like we really hit it off once we started studying because we spent many nights studying together uh, throughout training and we had those uh, kitchenette hotel rooms, right? And uh, those hotel suites and we'd... We'd get together with a couple other guys and we'd, we'd be cooking meals. And then on weekends, you know, I'd, I'd have a spatula in one hand, a beer in the other hand. I'd have my iPad in front of me. It'd be propped up and, and I'd be throwing questions at you guys. And then you'd swing them back around at me. And that we were was just the having best a, way to do it. It was so much fun. Plus, we had a really, really good teamwork involved with that. It was I paid for everything. You cooked it all and we destroyed Dana's kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's exactly it. That's right. And he didn't care anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it was honestly one of the, the highlights of training, right, is, is being able to get in, in together in groups like I that. I think it'll be a highlight throughout my whole life, absolutely. really. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. It was, it was way too much fun. And we'll, we'll get into some of the specifics of how airline training went and, and what you can expect, because uh, that's going to be pretty much the theme of today's episode. But anyway, uh, that's how we met, and, and now we've, we've become really good friends, and, and it's it's tough to match schedules, even when I'm on reserve and technically have more time. Uh, it's it's hard to try and meet up. So the last time I saw you was in passing in LaGuardia, probably. Or no? Yeah, when? I believe yeah. so. Yeah. On FC View, we have this wonderful app on our phones that we can download from uh, third party, but mm -hmm. it takes all of our schedules from the company and it matches everyone together. And you can add your friends and colleagues of the likes, mm -hmm. and it will prompt you if you have friends on either overnights or passing through the airport 
and it kind of makes the day go by quick. And if you got a two hour sit somewhere, it really, really shortens that time drastically. So yeah, that's good. Always take a peek and see who's where. Yeah, exactly. And that's a really good point. Cause I actually, uh, like I've, we've discussed, I hardly fly, right. <laughs> Being on reserve, especially in Boston, but I do have, uh, one of my trips coming up, I think has a four hour sit in LaGuardia. I think, I think I did see on FCVU. Someone's going to be there though, but I don't think I have enough time to see them, but well, I'll try maybe. Cause, uh, the joys of aviation. Gotta love those four hours. It's yeah. LaGuardia <laughs> and it's on the Delta side. So if I want to go to the, the American side with the better food court, I'd have to change terminals, which is kind of annoying, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Might be worth a water feature view, you know. You only see it once a year, really. <laughs> what Brandon's referring to is is in the the uh, B terminal in uh, Laguardia it has this pretty immaculate water fountain with all these LED lights and projectors on it. It's, it's kind of cool. Be three or four stories tall, yeah. Yeah, it's really high, and it's got all kinds of um, projector screens, so they'll like show videos and things on the water. I, I never knew you could project things onto water. Yeah, they did a really kinda, cool. Kinda christmas type event and they had santa claus and reindeers and everything oh, okay. up there and they one. do the whole huh. music it's like on a 15 minute loop i do know those projectors are really really bright <laughs> if you're coming in through lane seven to get into laguardia to your gate that will blind you really coming in no so kidding huh that's be interesting weary. i've not paid i've not seen that before huh uh, so first off, Brandon, uh, I'm just going to ask you some questions to, to kind of introduce you to the audience. But uh, tell me about your aviation story. How did it start for you? And when did you catch that aviation bug? Wow. Um, <laughs> I am actually a fourth generation pilot wow. in my family. Wow. And uh, my great uncle was a test pilot at Edwards Air Force Base. Okay. He also went through astronaut training. And um, kind of started up around that time. And then my dad, he ended up joining the Air Force, and he had a lot of fun flying. And um, He flew KC-135s and then NATO AWACS in Germany. Okay. And from there, I was uh, just a little lad, and <laughs> he ended up at American Airlines, mm -hmm. and he started flying uh, for them, and we... Uh, Grew up down in South Florida, and he was mm -hmm. Miami base. Mm -hmm. uh, well, the whole time, uh, I was like, you know, hey, maybe, uh, maybe we should do something a little different. Don't just follow in Dad's footsteps, kind of deal. Mm -hmm. So for me, flying was a little afterthought. I always enjoyed aviation. Every single year on my birthday, uh, which is also my dad's birthday, we share the same. November 27, and oh, okay. uh, little turkey babies, you know. <laughs> we'd go up, we'd get a little Cessna, we'd go up flying for an hour and have yep. fun. I'd sit, uh, started on, I think, five pillows, and then work my way down every <laughs> year to, to no order, pillows. In order to see kind over of the thing. day. <laughs> yeah. So that was, yeah. that was cool. But um, I figured, no, I'll go to college. So studied finance and business law. Realized that is not the type of life <laughs> I want to live. I would pick a four-hour sit in LaGuardia any day of the week over sitting in a cubicle crunching numbers on Excel. And, uh, yeah, shortly after I graduated college, I said, you know what? Let's do it. Full swing. Saved up a bunch of money. Moved to Texas. I got a 172 wet over there for, I believe it was 75 an hour on block. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty good. Super cheap. So wow. I got my... Uh, 
total expenses down to like under 40,000. That's really good. Yeah, that was exceptional. Can't find that now. Yeah, now you'd pay 40 grand for private and maybe instrument at a yeah. university at least. My little brother's <laughs> starting aviation right now and oh, yeah. um, he's almost done with college, but he's like, "Oh, how much fun do you guys really have up there?" I was like, "A lot more fun than you're having right now." So Awesome. He's starting, and it's about 180 an hour for Cessna yeah. in South Florida. Yeah, it's not cheap. But anyway, so yeah, I just started flying. I just just went for it. Full speed ahead, busted out a rating, boom, boom, boom. Um, I will say, and I was very happy I did so. I was very studious, coming straight out of college, too. I knew all the good study habits and tips of the likes, and... To be able to knock out every written exam before jumping into flying completely mm-hmm. helped you just really grasp everything that encompasses aviation. Yeah. So you have, like when you're 16 years old, you're driving a car, right? right? Mom and dad, they can teach you how to drive a car. Pretty easy. You can throw just about anyone in this world in an airplane with enough time and enough money, you can teach them how to fly, right? Right. The difference, though, is learning and understanding what encompasses aviation. Mm. FARs, rules, regulations, common sense, these kinds of things. So Mm. just like understanding what a speed sign or traffic sign is on the road, there's a lot more to aviation than just the stick and rudder you know right right so it was it was very good for me to get all that background info out of the way Mm. um i think i only have maybe four hours of actual ground instruction in my logbook oh that's it wow yeah Yeah, my check airman when he was doing my dpe or my um my first private, he was looking, he's like, so where's all your ground time? I was like, uh, what? <laughs> it's like, here's my uh, my 98% on my written exam, which is when they switched to the ACS program, actually. Oh, they went from PTSD. It's not like right. the yeah. um, SAT, where it goes through massive panels of people and the question mm-hmm. banks get reviewed at Agnosium, right? Mm-hmm. So the ACS is done through the FAA, and anything government you know is sometimes not always the quickest way to do things or uh, the most reviewed right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I emailed them. I was like, hey, I got a question wrong, but I know I got it right. The lady emails me back. Hey, so, uh, you know, we can update your score if you want. If it's right on the brink of, like, passing, yeah, we'll, we'll get you over the edge. Appreciate your feedback. It's like, well, I got a 98, I wanted a 100. She's like, I'll go back sand, buddy. That's fine. Um, So that was about the only mishap I had uh, (laughs) set back in the first dealing with the FAA. (laughs) Off to a good start. But uh, you got to pride yourself in what you do. And Mm. I started aviation as a full-fledged career starting. Mm. I knew that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad was a captain at American at the time, and great mentor i can ask him anything Hmm. and uh he'd mostly tell me to look it up because he did that 40 years ago (laughs) (laughs) i do do remember going into training how you were the resource to tap into because you were the guy whose dad was in the airlines and so you knew a bunch of stuff i remember like the first time i had understood how to properly call crew scheduling and you you call you say hey this is brandon this is my number 
and then you pause for a sec they look you up hey what can i do for you i was like i never would have thought of that my first phone call would have been like uh hello and they would have had to prompt me you know but having that jumping right into it was really cool you know because you knew all this stuff yeah it really blew my mind as to how little background most of the individuals in our class had in aviation yeah, yeah. whether it be family or mm-hmm. just general knowledge and experience yeah yeah, to contrast to you, I'm, I'm a first-generation pilot. My my uncle was a pilot. Um, he was actually about to ship off to Air Force training. He tragically died. Uh, this was back in the early 80s. So he never actually made it that way. Who knows if he would have become an airline pilot someday. But other than that, I'm the only pilot in the entire family. So it's it's a lot different to what you've had. You know, you've had a lot of inside resources, yeah. which is really great. Yeah. You know? I mean, my great-uncle was the first guy to fly the T-38 Talon. Wow. He was a test pilot back when there was no computers to give you all the info mm-hmm. he's like nope point 400 feet before the numbers and that's when you start your flare and he's got this little pamphlet of notes and whatnot in there it's kind of interesting that's to some real see the history that's yeah. some real seat of the pants kind of I flying know. You know, you're just kind flying of the ford out. tri-motor and stuff oh wow like, Oof. that is really cool man those are museum relics now yeah, absolutely <laughs> all the little kids listening what's a ford tri-motor <laughs> yeah really strange it's like kind of looks like a biplane with a giant motor on the front but it also has two wing mounted motors yeah it's it's big old open cowl radials yeah just massive looking thing um so you did you always know you wanted to be an airline pilot i know you said you your father was an airline pilot but you know everyone who starts an aviation career has to start in general aviation so did you have any other ideas before deciding yep i want to be i want to be like my dad and be an airline pilot didn't want to follow the footsteps, you know. Okay. My, um, I grew up in South Florida with mm-hmm. the rich and famous, and everyone's got money. <laughs> Figured out later everything's leased, and you know, oh eight happened, and everyone lost their their vacation homes and yeah. their homes and whatever, their <laughs> boats, their cars, their yachts, all that jazz. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, interesting. Well, finances, you know, a good stable career, and mm-hmm. you know, you can be pretty successful. But it was very cutthroat to move up the corporate ladder. And ultimately, the 60-hour work week you put in for low salary at the time is is pretty difficult. Um, The cool thing about aviation, other than our recurrent trainings that we attend and different things we do on our iPad and update charts and manuals and outside sources just to stay up and involved with aviation, um, we have uh, nothing really of importance with work. Mm-hmm. to do outside of work hmm. so essentially when you have a day off you actually have a day off yeah you're not worried about your next meeting conference or right. oh my gosh how is this merger gonna go with uh so and so you you really have that freedom to right. just do whatever it is that you will for that's, that day that's a really good point um because my girlfriend she's an occupational therapist right now and she works in a school setting and she has a regular school day to try and get a bunch of these goals done and there's not enough time in the day so she finds herself having to write a lot of these evaluations at home she'll come home at 4 p.m and has to spend an hour two hours on her computer the work day is not over and which you're is a good awful. little house husband and cooking I, dinner you bet I am. <laughs> <your> little apron <laughs> you bet i am <laughs> so that that's a really interesting point you make is yeah by, by the end of the day we're you know we get off the plane that's it yeah, Go you, home. you take the tie off when you walk in the door, and yep. uh, that's it. Yep, that's, that's great. So it, it wasn't, you know, like you said, you, you got into the flight training. 
but when you started going through those ratings, you know, you were, you you got your private, you got your instrument, you got your commercial. At what point were you like, all right, I think I am gonna do the airline thing, you know, and instead of just staying in GA or. or I did a couple hours in South Florida, mm-hmm. and I was just. Oh man, I flew up and down the beach with the instructor. They were not super happy, but I was flying over the water at like 10 feet, just having a ball flying up and down the beach. And spring break, you see all little beach bunnies having fun. And um, I was like, wow, people get paid to do this. It's incredible. Yeah. So I was working at the uh, Waldorf Astoria at the time mm-hmm. and uh, making good money, but I uh, needed to do something. So I saved up a bunch of cash. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully my dad was able to support me a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. And I packed up my little Ford fusion at the time with everything I had really. And mm-hmm. I drove from uh, Florida all the way to the tip of South Texas and oh, wow. one drive. And, and that was great. Um, we ended up having a good time. I was living with my grandma down there mm-hmm. and, uh, it was like 25 cornfields, four stop signs, and a 30-minute drive, and I was at Harlingen Class Charlie Airport, and okay. that's where I did all my flight training at. Okay, nice. It was wonderful. Yeah, good people down there, and just ultimately yep. super, super cheap. Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest hurdle in aviation is how do you get your ratings? Mm. How can you make it you know, efficiently on your pocketbook? Right. And I was able to get all my ratings and everything with no debt. That's that's rare. Yeah. <laughs> that's very yeah. rare. So yeah. it's nice to have a background in finance to mm. manage your finances yep. when you're going and taking on a big task like jumping in to aviation. So so I, although you didn't you know take that job like you were saying where you're crunching numbers for hours in a cubicle with the spreadsheets, that knowledge you gained was really was really key in order to, to at least give you a little bit of a platform you know where you could more powerful than you know yeah exactly absolutely so that that's good yeah that's good that's really good and then i went more of a uh, non-traditional route to build my hours after my commercial Mm -hmm. i was with my dad and we were talking like hey what what should i do i got some friends that are flying cargo here some are cfis whatever but uh to me and having my dad's knowledge he didn't want me flying at the same airport, droning in circles, not actually flying. Mm-hmm. I was lucky enough. I called a couple of my buddies. They both put my resume on their boss's desk. The guy calls me later that day. Brandon, who are you? Why Why is everyone telling me to hire you? And I got into survey. Okay. Aerial so survey the means. client I worked with at the time... Um, they, uh, they do 3D maps for a company that uh, may or may not look like a pair. Um, <laughs> and uh, had a brand new Cessna 206. Ooh. And I was flying these, these lines, mm-hmm. you know, droning back and forward, getting good quality time <laughs> in some of the most busy airspace in America. Mm. And it was really enjoyable being able to work with Tracons and Bravo airspaces to be able to survey their airspace and the land below it, basically. 
Because a lot of times you'll be you'll be smack right over the airport, right? I mean, you'll be you'll be in some busy areas sometimes, right? My record was setting off seven RAs in one day in Atlanta. <laughs> RA is a resolution advisory. Yeah. Uh, which essentially means you gotta make some quick action to avoid a plane. So you set off seven. You said. <laughs> yeah, I had a couple Delta captains curse me out. <laughs> what the heck is this little Sustin doing on final of whatever? And um, I know. I uh, I usually wouldn't speak up because I already coordinated with Traycon. Yep. Most of the time, I'd actually go there in person, mm-hmm. give them the KML files of all the lines that we have and their altitudes and what they're called and which areas we're going to be working on that day. And we'd coordinate depending on the winds and the arrivals and departures for each airport. Mm-hmm. Uh, very challenging. A lot of work goes into it. Mm. And then uh, the cool thing is when you're flying up and down doing stuff and then you get another controller that hops on who are you what are you doing in my airspace it's like i've been here the last eight hours okay come on give me a break i got work to do too right um so it's great time building i think i had almost 200 hours in one month just Whoa. flying around you know oh my gosh i think the height of flight instructing i hit 90 hours 95 hours in one month but 200 yeah dang and uh, it's really good stick and rudder skill. Yeah, no because kidding. you're flying basically an ILS the entire time. Wow. No autopilot. You can't couple it. It doesn't yep. work. Yep. Trust me, pilots you are try. inherently <laughs> the most lazy people you can imagine. They use automation for everything to make their life easy. Yep. And as you should, because right. then it's safe. Right. And then you monitor and mm-hmm. intervene if necessary. Right. Right. Well. Flying these lines, I mean, you you get really, really good at flying this airplane and multitasking as well. Um, it's, it's It was a lot to encompass. Um, mm-hmm. So mostly did survey. Mm-hmm. I did some agriculture work as well. Whoa. Um, some skydiving, mm-hmm. you know, dropping people out of a perfectly good airplane. <laughs> well, there's some kooks, yeah. But uh, really awesome people. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It was it was a blast. Uh, cool thing in Texas, yeah, I was dropping these little nuclear radiated flies on crop fields. What? So the FDA would come in and they load up a box in the back of the airplane with these two big augers, and you got a, you know, a little button you can, you know, activate the auger just like you would a normal crop duster flying up and down a field. And they were frozen, right? Okay. And they were like somehow produced with some sort of radiation where they can't produce. So they have a life cycle. Okay. So they start breeding them, and then so every minute is valuable with these bugs. Mm. And they eat, like, all the pests and stuff like that and funguses on these plants, and Mm. they can consider the crops organic. Mm. So we'd go and drop these. Well, on some of the hot days in Texas, uh, they don't freeze for very long, and they start (laughs) flying around and... You, I mean, you should have seen the inside of this plane one day. It was oh like 100 of these flies blowing around. You open a window, more start coming out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And uh, I, I put a closure to that pretty quickly. Yeah. But good experience. I was going to say, yeah. a, a memory to, to remember. You know, it's Yeah, and then before getting to, to an airline, I flew at almost uh, like a third or more of um, – of all the class bravos on the west coast and then just about all of them from east of the mississippi wow and having the experience of actually knowing how to talk on a radio yeah in a class bravo yeah instead of being um 
like some northern Wisconsin type uh, <laughs> CFI where you have to fly 200 miles just to go do your tower <laughs> type training, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so it, it was cool experience getting to know a lot more that surrounds aviation than just mm. flying at one airport mm. the whole time. And yeah. that was really what made me a safer pilot, I yeah. believe, moving forward. And the importance of safety and ADSB and yeah. situational awareness. Yeah. Because I had quite a few close encounters throughout the years and um, it humbles you, you yeah. know. But aviation's just become this amazing, safe way of transportation. Mm. It's uh, unfortunately when something goes wrong in aviation, it's like mm, maybe a little bit worse than just one car accident or something of that nature. But um, overall, it's like on the grand scale, it's very safe. Yeah, yeah. insanely. Yeah, insanely. And, and it's it's interesting to bring that up because how often do we hear on the news, you know, someone getting in a car accident? Versus, you know, an airplane goes down, maybe no one's even hurt. Or maybe it's just like a landing gear doesn't fully deploy or something. Blows up on the news, right? Because there's a potential, right? There's a potential that, oh, you know, you got over 100 people's lives at risk. Absolutely. But then, you know, it's all fine. Because, again, you you, you talk about the, the whole safety element. Like, we, we have an insane amount of training. That and the redundancy, us, yeah. the inspections we yep. have. Every mm-hmm. two days, our aircraft go into an inspection. Mm-hmm. And they check a load of things. I couldn't even imagine how long these take. Mm-hmm. And uh, how often do people bring their cars in for inspections? Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, Florida, you don't even need them. Yeah, so. I was going to say. <laughs> you don't have, yeah. In Massachusetts, we got once a year. So there's that. But uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good point, too. Uh, and so going back to the, the aerial surveying, was most of it where you were just the only one on the aircraft and you'd be you know, pressing a separate button that would take pictures or did you have another crew member who was who was operating the camera? Or was I it a flew mix? with a camera operator slash pilot mm-hmm. for a little while and we'd sit there, rotate, left seat, right seat, whatever, who's taking the nap essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these days were 10, 12 hour days. Oh, I'm wow. not kidding. And uh, part 91 rules apply or don't apply. It's more of the Wild West cowboy type uh, <laughs> flying. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just, I kind of like my own space in the cockpit. Sure. And then it's my flight time. Mm. I'm flying. So I log the time as well. So right. it was nice to just have, um, you know, just me flying around and I can do my own thing and mm-hmm. you just get in the groove and you mm. just start flying. You listen to a podcast or some music. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, soon enough, it's, Lunchtime. Yeah. And then you're eating lunch in the plane. And, yeah, it's good, good stuff. And did some of these planes have a, an auxiliary fuel tank that would increase your your uh, time aloft? Well, the last company I had, we had these massive fuel tanks inside the caravan. <laughs> and they had pumps and they'd feed out into the wing. And I think we got close to being able to have like a 16-hour endurance on this thing. So at that point, obviously, your plane is out flying your bladder. Well, you know, there's this really cool invention called a Gatorade bottle. (laughs) And that's what you had to do, right? And if that fails, there's this little (laughs) tiny window that you can open up. (laughs) I've heard stories, but... Yeah, I was out mowing my lawn, and it was raining, but I didn't see a cloud in the sky. 
who knew? No, we were we were flying in the caravan, mm-hmm. um, pretty high up, about uh, fourteen five, AGL and higher, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we'd be up in, you know, one nine zero or something like that doing so surveys. So you'd be on some supplemental chilly. oxygen at that yeah, point. Yeah, yep. supplemental mm-hmm. oxygen. Yep, that stuff will kill you. So when you're flying single pilot on supplemental oxygen, and it runs out. And you start smelling colors, you know you got to switch the oxygen, right? So you usually check it. It's one of your things you do before you go and take off. But mm. sometimes um, you get a crimp in a hose or, mm. I don't know, turbulence. And you're like, oh, shoot. All right, let's see what's going on back here. <laughs> yeah. I remember having to reach back one time and somebody gorilla gripped the O2 oh. uh, regulator on the tank. And I couldn't get it off. And I was like, oh, Ooh, ooh, all right. Starting to get hypoxic here. Yeah, and you're exerting all your force trying to, like, get this regulator off and switch to the new tank. And, you know, some some days were better than others, of course. But, uh, yeah, so then you're just like, all right, well, flying a turboprop, so let's just pull this giant parachute to flat and just dive down. (laughs) You get, like, 8,000 foot a minute decent rate, and then, you know, it takes you... You know, not long at all to kind of snap back into it, and or you go land and switch a bottle or yep. whatever. But um, that's wild. That, yeah, it was fun. That kind of reminds me of, and I think you you've flown around the area too, where I did my flight training Daytona's airspace. Um, I think you did. <laughs> you, you've had your encounters with them, right? <laughs> oh man, they had so many people flying these practice approaches into Daytona. I was one of them. <laughs> I felt like a freaking pilot in vietnam dodging these like attack helicopters <laughs> flying around there so i can see them on the scope of the adsb and i got really good at planning on how to thread the needle between mm-hmm. them and they were technically practice approaches mm. they were not cleared by daytona approach to do a full approach right mm-hmm. so they would just go out there and practice vfr yep which is cool, but then nobody's watching you, right? Right. So now I'm sitting here like, oh, man, i got to do this work. How do I get it done? I see all these people. So, you know, you <laughs> you got to do this consistent line, and you have to be really, really accurate in how you fly. It has to be, you know, you can't really yaw the plane too much or mm-hmm. you'll get an error, mm-hmm. and you have to maintain the altitude and lateral lines and you can see the tracks and you can see sometimes like oh i miss this little section right here oh, oh no. let's do it again <laughs> go back oh, um so you know some of the lines would vary between three miles average like 15 mm-hmm. and then the last company the higher altitude stuff they were upwards of 80 miles long wow those are long legs yeah, yeah. and you just yeah. go back and forth like you're combing combing the ground i guess yeah yeah i know the one thing that comes to mind is in the movie space balls when they're like combing the sand it just kind of reminds me of that like you're just like going back and forth you know yeah i'm sure they had more fun than i did sometimes (laughs) yeah it was it was cool um unfortunately you get some real turbulent days and uh you're just like oh man i just can't do it the camera's just spazzing out Mm. the Mm. aperture's just and the shutter speed, they all have to work with the lighting to right. get the perfect pictures, right? right? And you can get image blurs very quickly up mm. there. So some days it would just be too turbulent. We'd have to call it. But, yeah. Uh, which is good. Then you get to go golf at 2 yeah. p.m., right? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. When the rates are cheaper at that time of day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, we actually had a, some really good times in California. 
Yeah, this beautiful penthouse in Encinitas, just looking over the water, and my fly day would consist of, in the wintertime, when the sun angle was a lot lower, my work day would be like 11 a.m. to like 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. Cool. Done. Great. Three hours of flying. Awesome. Yep. Go back, grab a surfboard, hop in the water for a couple hours, and then just devour these amazing tacos. Oh. And that was a cool thing about traveling for Mm. survey. You get to see these really cool places. Um, Mm. And it kind of came out to be like, all right, I know all the places I never want to (laughs) live. And I know all the places I can't afford to live. (laughs) And you're trying to find this happy medium, right? (laughs) It's really difficult. No kidding. (laughs) And then there's like, okay, you're trying to be a family man. You know, you're going to live closer to your family. You know, your parents as they're aging. You know, it's... It's a lot to think about. And then too. you commute to the airport. Right. Yeah. And are you going to be a, a commuter where you're flying to another airport or are you going to, you know, drive? I've heard of people living in Buffalo commute to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Driving. That's four and a half hours if you're lucky. Absolutely. It's crazy. We have a guy in Philly. He drives three and a half. <sighs> That's nuts. And yeah. then even at Republic now, we have captains that live in Orlando and they yeah. used to drive to Miami. Right. Now that, I have that's to not fly up to Philly. But that's not a short it. drive either, especially with the traffic these days. Yeah, three hours or so. Yeah. Gosh, yeah, that's that's nuts. Yeah, no, that that's where I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd rather live in base, you know, and not. And it, for my end, it's like, okay, I, I live forty-five to fifty-five minutes away, depending on the traffic, so it's not ideal. But we don't do this every day, you know. You, yeah, you're not. You're doing that's it. True. Well, I'm doing it way less than you are, but you know, your commute to work, you're not having to do that every day like a nine to five. You know, which I guess is nice. It is. It is. Oh. You know, I ended up moving to Philly. I mm-hmm. found the love of my life. It's mm-hmm. this wonderful girl, Sarah. Mm-hmm. She's a unicorn. <laughs> and no, we're not going to try to capture her and clone her and reproduce <laughs> for, like, you know, the rest of the world. Um, but she is just darn tootin' the, the most perfect thing in this world. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I can't live in Florida and have a long distance. It's just mm-hmm. moving 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 and that was it and you know around the same time you know got a job at republic and mm. they got a base in philly it's like oh this is perfect my whole life's coming together there you go i got this dream job that i've really aspired for years to really put into fruition and it it came it arrived mm. mm-hmm. it led into uh just an amazing time you know, meeting you guys mm. and uh, the the training associated with it, just top notch, and it was great, man. I've never been happier in my life, and that's uh, awesome. Yeah, Brandon, actually, I guess you and Sarah brainstormed had a really good idea, and we're going to do this at some point. Is get her on the podcast, maybe Laurelyn will hop on too, and we'll do an episode talking about significant others dealing with having, you know, their. You know, having a pilot in the family, you know, how, how do you deal with that? Because they're traveling all the time, you the know. Good and the bad. The good and the bad. It's either going to be a really good double date <laughs> or, or we're going to be sleeping outside. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. At some point, we got to we gotta schedule that. That'll be that'll be really fun. I really like that idea. That's really good. Because obviously this, this podcast is all about aviation, but there's a whole side of aviation that we don't really think about. And that's just the livelihood of it, right, is is dealing with a career like this where you are gone a lot, you know? You eventually you get some seniority and you can bid for day trips, but you know, then you're and driving to the airport every dri- day. Yeah, and then you're driving to the airport every day. So unless you live really close, those are not as fun. You know, for me, given my distance, day trips are not the best. I would prefer at least two to three day trips, you know. 
I'm on reserve, so you know I wait to get called for a week or two, and then they finally call me. So it's they it's, hunt it's, you it's, down, and they find they finally find Gavin. Me. He's still on the payroll. All right, we gotta get him to work. <laughs> oh man, yeah. The the last uh, let's see before the last time I flew, the record was 58 days of not wow. flying the airplane, and now the last time I flew was March 6th. We are recording this episode on April 27th. I got called in on, I think it was April 2nd, to go sit out of base reserve in Chicago, which, you know, I'm on a two-hour call at that point, so normally I've got long call reserve, but now I'm on a short call in a hotel room in Chicago for three days. They didn't even use me, so then I go home, but that resets my call number, right, which essentially means that, okay... Wait, they, so they worked. deadheaded you out there? They deadheaded me out. Didn't fly out Didn't there? fly, and then I That's flew insane. deadheaded back, yeah. Wow. And I so, got converted every single time on long call. Really? Yeah. I've been, yeah, because we, we had talked about it when you had some questions about it. And I, it's just the nature of it being the, the Boston base is that we have double the amount of FOs as captains. And so, because no captains want to bid Boston. I don't blame them. You know, the flying is not, the schedules aren't as good. And trying to live in Boston and trying to commute to Boston, it's not a very commuter friendly base. And so, yeah, I don't blame people who don't want to <laughs> go there. But yeah. it, it means that. First officers, as of right now, in Boston are not flying that much. But, you know, you mentioned it earlier, I'm the house husband. You know, my, my girlfriend drives to work every day, and I'm at home. I, I get stuff done. There's you know, vacuum lines in the carpet when she arrives. <laughs> They're wood nice. floors, so I don't even oh, have to work. Oh, there you yeah, go. Yeah. But then you can bring the Probably got out. a Roomba, too, <laughs> that does it all, right? That's my next purchase. I definitely okay. want one of those. <laughs> you said, like, pilots, we, we try to be as lazy as possible. You're absolutely right. I definitely want a Roomba. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. But anyway, I think that would be a really fun idea to get Sarah and and Laurel on the episode uh, on on the podcast rather, and to make an episode about that because that would, it's it's important information to to think about because if you're young and single, go for it. You don't even have to worry about stuff like that. But but you know, down the road, maybe you want to settle down, start a family. It's it's not easy. Aviation you know? definitely has its ups and downs. Yep. And. Uh... For instance, I have a two-day day off, and then I got three-day. So it's mm-hmm. not a lot of time off. Mm. Girlfriend, she's like, yeah, let's go and uh, drive like four hours or whatever to State <laughs> College for my cousin's graduation, and then four hours back, and mm-hmm. I have a 3 a.m. wake-up for the next day. I was like, oh, oh, yeah. I don't really think I can do that. And right. you break people's hearts sometimes mm-hmm. because you aren't as flexible as they'd like. Mm-hmm. Um, the alternative is you have Tuesdays off all the time or something weird. And, right. You know, grocery shopping. Right. It's a blast. Monday and on. Tuesday mornings Ooh, are let the me tell best you, for grocery Trader shopping. Trader Joe's, <laughs> right when they open at 10 a.m., there's always just one little Asian lady with all these bags. And she's get in and get out, and that's yep. it. And yep. you're, you're just trotting along behind her like, wow, this is awesome. It's like COVID all over again. There's no one out here. Yeah. Um, yep. So that's cool. You right. know, you get days off to go do stuff. Mm-hmm. And our typical schedules really only have... 75 hour block or credit really mm-hmm. and uh that puts you typically around 15 plus days off for right. the month right which you know most people will only get i guess 12 uh 8 to 12 days off depending on the month right you know where it's it's really if you're working monday through friday four week month you know that's that's just eight days yeah that's not a lot of time off 
No, no. And then you have the difference. My captain I just flew with. He, he's got an 18-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. Completely mechanically not inclined, right? <laughs> so his car was shaking or something, and my captain's like trying to deal with all these stuff. He's like, what's going on, man? He's like, well, you know, the kid went to the shop. He said, like, the... Um, bands were showing on the tire on the inside and the rear Oof. wheel and you know the alignment was whacked and one of the <laughs> struts were bent and uh, he's like this really sucks I'm away from home right I can't really be there to help him right. and he doesn't know what to do so I'm trying to make all these phone calls we're mm. boarding right now it's just <laughs> it's weird not being able to be home and always be there and really right. you know have that that backbone of support with your family. Right. Um, even seeing my dad, you know, growing up, he, he bent over backwards to do everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, my parents were divorced, so when my dad had time off, he had custody of us. Mm. That means we're going to Home Depot, we're going to Publix, <laughs> we're doing all these things with him, whether we like it or not, right? <laughs> right, because he has to. Yeah, because yeah, he has to. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's a different lifestyle. Yeah. But... Yeah, because, I mean, you could, you know, if you had a normal Monday through Friday 9 to 5 and something's happening, you, you come home at the end of the day to figure it out. But what if that happens on day one of a five-day trip? You know, you're not back for five days, you know, yeah, and no. it's, it, the rest of your family has to figure it out. And don't live in an HOA because, God forbid, oh. you don't bring your garbage can <laughs> in after collection and you're away for three more days. Uh, you're going to get slapped on the hand. That's funny you mentioned that. I flew with one captain who, um, I think he lives out in... Omaha. He commutes. He used to commute to Omaha. He used to commute to Kansas City. Then we closed that base. And I think, did he go all the way to? It couldn't have been Philly. I think it was Chicago. It was Chicago. And he was he was saying how he lives in HOA, and he was telling me all about all these things. I was like, all right, that settles that. I'm never gonna live in one of those. You can't, you know, your fence has to be a certain color. You can't have any signs anywhere. No flags. Nothing. It's like you you have to be completely uniform or better yet i knew a guy that painted his house like six thousand bucks painted the whole house yeah hoa said we don't like that color well it's approved on the list no we don't like that color doesn't look good on your house repaint it (laughs) what oh man and like how are you supposed to fight that because it's a private institution right it's not like Good luck bringing them to court. Yeah, yeah. You chose to live there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, just like when things go wrong at this airline, we point at each other and we're like, you chose to work here. Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of any time people uh, complain about commuting. Everyone always is like, you chose to commute. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. Like, and they're like, nope, nope, I actually didn't. I didn't. They just they, closed my base. <laughs> they closed my base. What happens? <laughs> and so knock on wood, that doesn't happen to us. You know, because I... I want to try and avoid commuting if i can you know it's yeah i mean obviously people make it work but a lot of cases unless you're getting a later report time and an early release you're having to go in an extra day sometimes an extra two days just to do one trip you know i just had a american captain on my jump seat yesterday we're going from minneapolis to philly Mm -hmm. i was like my first question is you live in mini right why aren't you flying for delta well (laughs) You know, he's working at American, though. Yeah. So commuting to Philly for him takes some time. So he mm. he doesn't stress out and do the day of thing anymore. Mm-hmm. And we have commuter clauses right. where you can say, hey, you know, I tried the first two, three flights full, couldn't make it. Mm-hmm. They get you off the trip. 
they get some guy like Gavin on reserve to <laughs> fill that gap, right? Yep. Well, these guys are they're getting older now, and they're just like, no, nah, get a crash pad or a hotel the night before, well rested, and then go to work. Mm-hmm. Um, that adds at least three days on your month of yeah. just commuting alone. Yep. It's a big sacrifice. That's a lot. So now instead of being off 15 days, you know, you're dwindling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then and then imagine if you are getting just your minimum 12 days off a month. Now you really have nine, maybe eight, and it's like, oh, all right. Now yeah. imagine balancing that with a family, too. It's it's even harder. Well, I so. dread uh, upgrading to captain because you're going to be on reserve. Yeah. Short call reserve. You know? yeah. How many days off are we getting on reserve now? Twelve. Twelve. And for me, with long call, it feels like a lot more than that. Yeah, <laughs> but true. it's it's still technically, okay, You know, I'm not going to make... Uh, make a plan that needs to be set in stone. I always do that on an off day. I'm not going to do that on one of my reserve days. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's 12 days off right now. But yeah, you go to short call and and you kind of have to be house tied. You can't really. And go that anywhere. being said, if you are out of base, mm-hmm. so say you can only hold Laguardia as a captain. Mm-hmm. Now you're getting a crash pad. You just signed yourself up to live in New York, and uh, right, that's, that's a it's a big. Big hit on your quality of life. Yeah. And that's the problem we have right now in aviation. Mm-hmm. We have all these FOs like Gavin that get paid a good amount of money to not work. And it's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's yeah. lovely. Everyone should aspire to do so, right? <laughs> yes. Um, but then for an extra maybe 30% take-home pay, you could be living in New York full time. Mm-hmm. Oh, but wait, now you got to pay for the crash pad. It's a thousand bucks a month, and right. you're eating out a lot more. And yep. now you're like, okay, well, I'm only getting ten or fifteen percent more pay mm-hmm. overall, and I'm not home. Yeah, the quality of life is is off. So yeah, and 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 now that those you know every airline's got these new contracts now. I mean the the increase in pay rates in the regionals has taken the biggest jump I think the industry has ever seen, you know, compared to what it was, right? That uh, brings me back full circle. <laughs> I did not want to start flying because they didn't have part 117 rest rules. Mm. My dad would be so tired coming home. Mm. And it would be real bad. Like, you know, you, you just have a 16-hour day, mm-hmm. and then you got a deadhead home. And then you have to drive an hour and a half Ugh. to your home. So you're like, yeah. you're, you're up for 24 hours at that point. Yeah, that's it's brutal. brutal. Yeah. And uh, also during high school, I think the pay was like $18 an hour. I was averaging like 25 to 30 an hour after taxes mm-hmm. at the resort. Wow. I'm like, just, you know, bartending waiting tables yeah. like pays more than being a pilot. Come yeah. on, what is this? Yeah, yeah. And you're home every day. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was like some cons there right. to start off with, right. right? My biggest regret, not starting sooner. Mm-hmm. Because seniority, seniority, seniority. They say that in real estate. You know, location, location, location. <laughs> right. And it's one thing you can never change is your seniority number at mm-hmm. a company. So right. you want to try to, you know, get in. Right. It's like investments, too. Mm-hmm. When's the best time to plant a tree? Right. 20 years ago. Right. Second best time? Well, probably today, right? Right. So if you get started and you get going and you put everything you got into it and mm-hmm. just keep chugging along and, uh, you know, set yourself goals. Right. 
it's six months goals, one year, two year, mm-hmm. five year goals, and mm-hmm. you know you really have that drive to get to where you want to go, and you know you'll get there. Yeah, and, and with that being said, it's I always like to say it's still never too late to think about it. Yeah, the seniority thing is really key. If you're able to jump into it right at age 23, and and you know I've I've heard of guys who really worked really hard. They flight instructed for all of a year at age you know 20, then by 21. You know, with the college program, the restricted airline certificate, they were able to go to a regional airline, and then by age 23, they were jumping to. You know, I, there's there's a couple of people that I know who are at legacy carriers who are not even 30 yet, it's and they're insane. already captains too. Yeah, it's like wow, and and you can't help but be a little jealous of that. You know, it's it's cool, but at, at the same time, it's I'm I'm you know really happy for them, and and I'm also thinking about how well. I'm where I need to be right now, you know, and there's no, Amen to that. there's no problem with that, you know, and, and I'll have plenty of years at me. And, and even if I had started at age 40, age 45, you still have 20, 20 years in the career, right? It's, it's, I don't think it's ever too late to start until you're too much above 45 years old, you know, but I have a buddy who retired from firefighting that I knew had a wonderful career he did an entire wonderful journey as a firefighter, right? So he gets pension and everything else, and he retired. But as a firefighter, he like one day on, two days off. Mm-hmm. So in his part-time, he was a CFI. Mm. He got all his ratings and everything. He was a CFI for like 10 years. Mm. Well, he retired, and then he got hired with Envoy um, at the perfect time. So he flew for, I think, two years. Got his thousand hours, and now he's a captain at Envoy. Hmm. Then he's making good money as a second career mm-hmm. in his fifties. You know? Yeah, and then if they get absorbed by American, then you know he'll end up at American. So right, it's never too late to start. Absolutely not. Yeah, and and obviously the retirement age is sixty five. So okay, if you're sixty, chances are that's not going to work out. But in terms of getting started in aviation. You know, there's there's so much in general aviation that's really exciting. As just a hobby, you know, if you, if you have the the means to do it, uh, it's really fun. I had I had one um, family friend who he he started his private pilot training. He's he's my parents' age, that generation, and uh, he started his private pilot training, and unfortunately had some health complications, which meant he couldn't get his medical certificate anymore. Because even as a private pilot, you still need a third-class medical certificate. And he wasn't able to get that anymore. So he called me one day. He said, hey, you know, this is the scoop. Uh, I'm wondering if you, you got any insight for me. And so uh, I let him know. I was like, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. There's hot air balloons, there's gliders, and then there's ultralights. In ultralights, you don't even need a license for that. You know, it's this aircraft that's uh, the minus the person is no more than 250 pounds. So it's a very light aircraft. And so he he took that information. And then I think like, I don't know, six months, eight months later, he emailed me and he showed me this picture. He's like, I bought an ultralight. <laughs> and I just awesome. it was it was really cool because that just goes to show that just because you're not able to get a medical certificate, you can still stay involved with aviation. Yeah. And. You know, I I have a feeling that's going to be me someday too. You know, if if I lose my medical, something like that happens, I'm still going to do something like that. I'm at least going to go to air shows. I'm still going to be involved in the community because it's more than just flying. It's it's a whole 
a lifestyle, you know. Yeah, when the bug bites you, it bites that, you it hard. It bites you hard, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. There's a guy talking about ultralights. I used to fly out of Palomar Airport in, by San Diego. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a little funky-looking plane. I have no idea what it was. Um, well, I saw it another time when I was coming out of the water, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, man, this guy's going to make an emergency landing on the beach? Like, what? <laughs> and uh, he, and then his engine stops completely. And I was like, oh, man, he's, like, done for. Like, let mm-hmm. me go see where he ends up and mm-hmm. maybe help the guy, right? Well, he's not coming down. Not coming down. <laughs> so California, they got this big old cliff that comes oh. up. And that Pacific wind mm. just, he, nope, shut the engine down and turned into a glider. And That's he was just amazing. gliding up and down the beach. Wow. All day long. And wow. I saw him a few more times after that. It was kind of interesting. So That is one thing I want to do. I've heard of places like that or like along the cliffs of Norway. They have some great glider operations yeah. because they have cable launches. They don't even have a plane that tows you up. You get launched by this winch. And then it, it sends you up into the air, and you have the same thing. That wind just hits the cliff, and then it lifts it up, and you could stay infinitely in the air. I mean, you have to come down because you have to go to the bathroom. You know, that's like the reason yeah. you come down. And that's, that's, I definitely want to do that. Does that, that count as like, flight time? Uh, yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it is fixed wing, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's, there's. There's so much in aviation beyond just an airline career, right? And so that's Absolutely. what one of the things that I do want to highlight is that, you know, just because you want to be a pilot doesn't mean you have to be an airline pilot. I mean, there's there's plenty of people out there who have tried airlines and then decided to go back to general aviation. I know there's one guy, uh, John, I forget his last name. Uh, he's he's a YouTuber. Fly Fly Eight Mike Alpha is their uh, the the YouTube channel. It's him and his partner wife or something. Uh, and I think their latest project is they're taking an old I don't know what plane it is, like a DC-8 or something that they they were able to buy as scrap, and they're turning it into a house on their property wow. up in Alaska or something like that. Uh, but he's he's got a lot of really great flight instructor videos out, and he talks about how he tried the airlines. He went, he went uh, into the regionals, I forget which regional it was, and it just wasn't for him. Mm-hmm. It, he didn't like the lifestyle, and so he went back to general aviation. And even though, yeah, airlines is probably the highest paid... Uh, job within aviation, you know, probably the most high space by cargo. You know, if you're flying like FedEx or UPS, it's probably where you can really make the top, top pay. Yeah, but the average life expectancy of these guys flying over the yeah. poles late night, it's 67, it, I exactly. think. Exactly, yeah. So Make all that money, can't spend it. Yep, you retire and then die. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I hope that does not happen to, to anyone. But it it's a lot of uh, stress on you by, by uh, messing with your body clock. Ultimately, like life is short. Enjoy it. Yep, exactly. So, but anyway, it, going back to this guy, John, you know, he, he decided it wasn't wasn't right for him. So he went back to general aviation, and he makes a lot of great videos um, talking about bush flying out in Alaska. And then I think during the winter, they come down to Florida, and they do more stuff down there. So. That's the manly man flying. Yeah, going polar opposites there. Yeah, we just <laughs> yeah, uh, push corner. buttons, you know. And they're going to extend one day to 67 for us, and uh, it's going to be mm. single pilot operation. Mm-hmm. We're going to have this canine sit next to us, right? <laughs> and anytime we go reach up and push a button, he's just going to growl at us. And if we actually hit it, he's going to bite us, right? Because it's fully automated at that point, and we're just there to babysit. And he's our babysitter. So. Exactly. One day, we shall see. Yeah, let's just hope we can make it through our career without having to... Uh... Well, did you hear they had a FedEx feeder, I believe, caravan, fully autonomous, did oh, a wow. cargo run. Yeah. Wow. Then you have all these 
um, France and China, they're working on these electric VTOL type cargo helicopter-ish airplanes wow. to deliver stuff. Huh. And uh, I was Tom McCathan the other day about it, and he's like, yeah, there's one company that's coming out. It's like they have a four-ton payload with these VTOL electric wow. um, airplanes, right? That's crazy. Fully autonomous. It's wow. incredible. Wow. I will interject here and say, if you heard some background noise, we got the refrigerator going, we got housekeeping knocking on the door, we had... Uh, that sounded like a very long takeoff roll for that plane taking off, but I think it finally got quiet. So The hotel life. The, the hotel life. It. You're always going to hear some background, so apologies for, for anything you're hearing there. But, um, wow, so you said four tons? Yeah. That this mind. little V... Oh, my God. Not certified yet, but well, we're moving yeah. towards that direction very, very quickly. Wow. And a carbon uh, zero footprint for most mm-hmm. of these companies is mm-hmm. the sustainable goal, right? Mm-hmm. Even the new Leap engines the idea to reduce carbon emissions and move mm. forward and progress with technology through aviation mm. is a very, very large industry. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about flying the plane. It's mm-hmm. um, software engineers. Mm. It's mechanics. Mm-hmm. It's just the the bigger picture guys that mm. come up with the funding to even create these projects, right? Right. So there's a lot that goes into aviation. The passion for aviation mm-hmm. is so much bigger than just sitting in the little Cessna or whatever, right. flying up and down the beach. Right. There's a lot of innovation. Yeah. It's really cool. And safety. Yeah. Well, I mean, you probably started flying before you had an ADSB on your little iPad on four flight, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a different world now. Yeah, I learned yeah. on a little uh, steam gauge six pack with a paper chart, and <laughs> where my DPE was like, "All right, child of the Genta, let's see if you can find this little tiny antenna." And I tuned in these VORs, and I was like, "Watch this." <laughs> And I needed more hood time, right? Because mm-hmm. I was so focused on getting all of my ratings. Mm. And I knew that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, I need more hood time. So let me just slap the hood back on. I'm going to take you right to the antenna. He's like, uh, okay. It's like, well, you can sign me off on this, right? Like, I'm doing my <laughs> instrument tomorrow, you know, starting. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just flew the VORs. And then I turned the airplane right at that perfect time. And I said, now, if you look out your right window, you'll see this <laughs> antenna. Ding, ding, ding. Hey, there it is. And he's like, all right, cool. Checkmark, done. Nice. And um, so it's it's cool being able to put everything into like perspective, all the stuff you learn, and it's mm. exhilarating. You know? Yeah. Like our training that we had um, was just impeccable, and the level of detail and precision mm. that goes into what we learn every day and we see new things it's, mm. it's really really awesome um, when you actually go out there and you fly a cat two to mins mm. or whatever you know you break out right when the plane's beeping at you minimums and yep. you're like oh i got this there's the runway yep. yeah yeah it's an exhilarating feeling <laughs> makes feel good yeah